Thank you, Terry. It was beautiful. Please stand, if you would, please, as we prepare to read from God's Word this morning. If you would, open your Bibles, and of course, you have in your pews, if you don't have a Bible with you, they have a Bible in front of you, you can open up. Please do open up the Word of God with us as we prepare to read from His Word. You want to open up to First uh, Exodus 20, and we'll be reading verse 16. Again, Exodus 20, verse 16. And then we'll be in the New Testament, and you want to open up your Bibles also. Maybe you can put your finger in this or a marker there. Well, I'll also be reading Ephesians 4, um, verses 29 through 32. Again, Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. We're studying the Ten Commandments, and this morning we're focusing on the Ninth Commandment. This morning we're going to learn how to detox. I like that word, detox. Our talk in order to glorify God by protecting others from the deadly poison of toxic talk. So again, follow along as I open up to Exodus 20, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then we're going to move to Ephesians 4. We'll be reading 29 through 32. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please, this morning. Heavenly Father, your Spirit comforts us, guides us, teaches us, corrects us. Lord, you give us everything we need to be the man of women of God that you desire us to be, that is more Christ-like. How we thank you that we have your spirit, how we have you with us. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and through him we have life itself. Help us this morning that we may rid ourselves of talk, the words that are not pleasing to you. Allow our language to be pleasing to you, glorifying to you. Show us through your words. Speak through Pastor Chris this morning that this commandment that you give us may truly be life-changing. Thank you for this time to be in your house this morning. We praise you and thank you for how great you are. In your name, amen. Can you relate to that a little bit? That's from uh, Jim Carrey's movie, Liar, Liar, where his son wished that he could always tell the truth and just goes through a, a series of events of what would happen if we were totally honest all the time. And uh, I just I thought that was interesting because I think deep down as we get into this ninth commandment we have to be honest I think we have a we would agree with Jim Carrey a little bit you know what you just can't make it through life without what telling lies now now not to the people we love just you know the people that that need lying too and uh, wouldn't it be great as in that clip that all you had to do was wish the temptation to lie away. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, we're going to find out, and you already know, that it isn't that simple. Uh, Seeing that clip makes me think of a little boy who was asked by a Sunday school teacher to define a lie. And here's what he said. A lie is an abomination to the Lord and an ever-present help in time of need. Okay? And and that's kind of how we think as we approach this. Now, I, I think it's very relevant this morning that 
on the week of the uh, Casey Anthony trial, on the week that uh, a famous athlete is uh, uh, up before the federal court for perjury, that we're looking at commandment number nine. You shall not bear false witness. So let's dive into it this morning. We're going to look at the meaning of it, and then we're going to give you three reasons why you and I need to detox our talk based on the ninth commandment. So let's look at the meaning of this ninth commandment. First of all, I want you to see what it means legally, because that's the first and priority meaning of it. Legally, it prohibits lying under oath in court. So when you go to court and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, if you would then lie, you would commit perjury. And here's just, I'm no lawyer, so I'm just giving you a simple definition that I think can relate. Perjury is perverting justice by lying under oath in a court of law to protect the guilty or to attack the innocent. I want to highlight that. Because sometimes we think, we, or at least I typically think of lying to get out of something, you know, I did, to, to, uh, get, to, to say, hey, you're guilty. No, I'm not, and you lie about it. But here's what also, false witness is where you lie in order to attack someone who's innocent. So here's the idea. Perjury, and what the, what the Ninth Commandment focuses on, is testimony that would set the guilty free or put the innocent in jail. And a lie will do both. You see, what this prohibits legally is doing our neighbor harm by excusing the guilty or attacking the innocent using a lie to do it. Now, witnesses who told the truth were essential to the Old Testament judicial system. And again, the parallels with this high-profile trial uh, this week is amazing because they talked about the CSI effect, that we're so prone to thinking DNA evidence and scientific evidence, and, and you can just prove a case, and boy, if it's not there in clear scientific proof, then uh, you can't, you know, you can't uh, uh, convict someone of a crime. Well, listen, circumstantial evidence, and particularly the witness or the testimony of a witness was essential in the Old Testament. Why? Because they had no DNA. They, had a, they didn't have all this science. It would basically come down to this. He did something bad, and you ought to judge him for it. Well, listen to Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So the whole system of, ju- of judging was based on witnesses, and yet one person just couldn't point the finger and say, you're guilty, and then everybody would stone the individual. You needed two or three witnesses, and yet commandment 9 says, you shall not bear false witness. And here's why. A false witness could cost someone their very life. Like in the Casey Anthony case this week, Someone's life was hanging in the balance. Don't set aside what you think about the verdict. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm just saying this individual's life was hanging in the balance. And telling the truth or lying in a court of law can be a matter of life and death. A false witness can set a murderer free. And a false witness can cost an innocent man or woman their life. I don't think it's accident that the Ninth Commandment about bearing false witness 
comes after the commandments to honor your parents, to not commit murder, and not commit adultery. You know why? Because all three of those sins in the Old Testament were worthy of the what? The death penalty. And so therefore, it's saying, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and oh, by the way, you better not lie about someone doing that or not doing that and, 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 and that would end up in them being unlawfully killed. And this happened in the Bible. Untrue testimony against another person not only was to attack the person, sometimes it was, you shall not steal. It was in order to get property from them. Remember Naboth in the Old Testament where King Ahab and Jezebel gave false testimony against Naboth and it cost him his life? And what did they get for it? His vineyard. So it's very interesting. You shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, but hey, you better not lie about those things. It may cost someone their life. You see, God has great concern for protecting the good name and the life of those who are victims of false witnesses. And that's good for for us because you don't live long on this planet without someone lying about you to do you harm. And God knows that. And God is here to protect you of that. Listen to what he says again, Deuteronomy 19, verse 18. Again, talking about the false witnesses. He says, And the judges shall make careful inquiry. And indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Let me tell you, that's putting away the evil. Basically what that's saying is, if someone falsely accused you of murder, which would be the death penalty, and they found out that he was lying, guess what he would get? He'd get the death penalty. That tells me something about God's heart for justice. Listen, He takes note when you have been falsely accused by lies, whether in the workplace, in your marriage, in your family, wherever it is, even in church. He takes note of that, and he makes sure that what people intend to wrongly do to the innocent will come down on their heads. Now, the relevance of this to the courtroom context is obvious. The latest and the most obvious is the conviction of Casey Anthony in Orange County, Florida court, where Judge Belvin... Uh, Perry sentenced her to four consecutive one-year prison terms for lying to law enforcement during the course of their investigation. Former Major League Baseball pitcher Roger Clemens this week is in federal court in Washington on charges that he lied to Congress in 2008 concerning his alleged use of performance-enhancing drugs. Now, how you, how you can be guilty of lying to Congress? Well, we don't want to go there, but, uh, you know, think through that. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's, 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 there's irony. There's irony in there. Uh, have you ever heard that old, but it's not really funny anymore, joke that goes like this? How do you know if a politician is lying? His lips are moving, okay? But here's the deal. God is the final judge. And like I said, whatever you think about the outcome of this high-profile recent trial, here's the the reality. It's very sobering. Proverbs 19.5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. You see, sometimes we as Christians need to really confess we don't have a very biblical worldview of current events. 
We have no reason to get really outraged. We have no reason to, to be clamoring. I mean, there's some folks that are really upset about this, and I understand that a life of a child has been taken. But here's the reality. Judge Melvin Perry is not the final judge. And no false witness will go unpunished. In fact, Proverbs 19.9 says, A false witness will not only go unpunished, he who speaks lies shall perish. There's a higher court that we all must give an account to. And the judgment there will be fair, it will be true, and it will be unbreakable because it will be done by the God of truth. George Orwell said this, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. Would you not agree? We live in this kind of society. Have you ever wondered why anyone would have to swear? Why is it that we go in the courtroom, and at least we used to put our hand in the Bible and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing outside of the courtroom? We, listen, the, 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 the ninth commandment has as much relevance in the courtroom as it does in the marketplace or in the workplace. And so here's generally what this means. It only not has a legal meaning, but it has a general meaning, and it means this. It prohibits lying to anyone, anywhere, anytime. It's not just when I swear. It's not just when I'm in court. It's when I'm in the marketplace, it's when I'm in the workplace, it's at home, it's at work, it's at church, and I think more lying goes on in church than perhaps any place else. Lying to God about who we really are and where we really are in relation to Him. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4.25, because I didn't want Randy to move around too much. Uh, Ephesians 4.25, this verse has relevance uh, to the ninth commandment, because really, if you want to see, this is the New Testament equivalent to you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Look at Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In that verse, you see the negative side of this commandment and the positive. The negative side is real simple. Do not lie. The positive side of the commandment is even harder, but equally simple. Tell the truth. Can we get it any simpler? Do not lie, tell the truth. But we still have Jim Carrey telling his kid, hey, grown-ups have to lie. I'd lose my case. And I think it was interesting he was a lawyer in, in, in this movie, but in, you know, anyway, lawyers are good too. Tell the truth, I'll lose my case, I'll lose my job. It's just how I get through in life. Well, let me tell you three characteristics of lying very quickly. Number one, lying is an easy sin. Would you agree? Lying is an easy sin. The ninth commandment is one of the most easy, most frequently broken commandments by every person on the planet, including me, and look at your neighbor and say, including you, and then say, me too, right? Because, listen... You can lie, lying, you know, I mean, murder, you got to buy the gun, you got to get the knife, you got to wait for him, you spring on him. Even adultery, you rent the room, you, you set the thing up. I mean, just all of these sins, stealing, you know. But lying, you can be just talking, and the next thing you know, I just told a lie. Now, you're looking at me like, wow, he's, he's, he's weird. 
Come on now, come on. Is that not true? I mean, you, and listen, we do it enough, and pretty soon, it's just, it's just a part of who we are, and we're like Jim Carrey. I got to do this. I have to do this. And listen, when you're in a society that is perpetually lying, and that's the culture we're in, you kind of feel like it's okay. And somehow we downgrade. See, here's the thing. Lying is culturally acceptable. As long as you do it to the right people at the right times in the right way. And that's just a fact. I'm telling you what, there was more lying going on in that courtroom of that case than that would make your head spin. Perjury here, perjury there, lying, whatever. And here's the thing. It's one of those white-collar sins. We tend to downplay, downgrade to being wrong, but not really a sin. Yeah, is lying wrong? Who's going to say, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. No, it's wrong. But, but the lies I tell, they're, you know, I, they're not really sin. Listen, they're a sin against God's holy character. So it's easy. Number two, and here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Lying is a gateway sin. It's a gateway sin. Do you know what a gateway drug is? They say that alcohol, tobacco, and uh, marijuana are like gateway drugs, that you start out and they have a low level of influence, but they open the floodgate into greater use of greater drugs, cocaine, meth, and all of that, a gateway drug. Well, let me tell you, lying is a gateway sin. The ninth commitment, uh, commandment is like a gateway drug that leads to breaking the rest of the Ten Commandments. It's like a floodgate that unleashes the sins of the rest of the commandments, the, 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 the sin that the rest of the commandments seek to hold back. It's like a codependent enabler. Lying, is, it, it's nearly impossible to break the other commandments without breaking this one as well. And real quickly, let me show you the connection. Where are we at here? Here they are. The, the first four are about worshiping God. Well, let me tell you this. If you, to break those commandments, false worship is always a false witness. A false worship is a lie told about how great God is or how we are to worship with him. False witness is always, or false worship is always a false witness. I could go in that more. Number five, honoring, or commandment number five, honoring your father and your mother. Uh, Bruce talked about this. One of the main ways that we dishonor our parents, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. We dishonor them by the way we talk about them to their face or behind their backs, and particularly behind their backs, we'll say things like, they're just crazy. They always do this. They never do this. You know what all those are? They're lies. They're exaggerations. And you know what the Bible says? It's the penalty for striking or cursing your parents was the death penalty. And there's an important principle for us to remember. You can strike someone with your hands or you can strike them with their words, but it still hurts, it's still deadly, and it's still wrong. And then when you get to commandments 6 through 8, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, you can't do those sins without lying. Think about it. It begins with the lie in your heart. I'm not lusting. It begins with the lie that says that's mine when it's really not mine. I deserve that. No, you don't. It's not yours. That's a lie. It starts in the heart. There, if you're a good thief, let me tell you, you're a good liar. And if you commit, it, commit adultery or immorality or look at uh, pornography on the Internet, it's a lie and you're telling a lie. 
And murder begins with toxic talk that calls people stupid and fools and escalates to actual murder. Here's what one Supreme Court Justice, Oliver Wendell Holmes, said. Sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits them all. All right? And so it's a gateway sin. Now, here's a more positive way to say it. Keeping the ninth commandment is essential to keeping the other nine. If you, listen, if you would just commit to do not lie and tell the truth, you will be protected from breaking the rest of these commandments. That's where it begins. Number three, lying is a heart sin. Number three, lying is a heart sin. And this is the connection to the 10th commandment. Next week, Pastor Bruce will get to the heart of the issue. Coveting is the ultimate heart sin. But I want you to say, if if you've been paying attention and listening through this series, then you know that all Ten Commandments are heart sins. And lying and toxic talk is a heart sin. And you know how I know that? Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, said this in Matthew 12, 34. Brood of vipers, he's speaking to the Pharisees and their false witness, their lying, their slander. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of, and you can say it with me, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. But look at Matthew 15, 18 and 19. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 15, 18 and 19. I want you to see this in your Bibles. Matthew 15, 18 and 19. I'm telling you the Ten Commandments are on practically every page of Scripture. And the writers are going through the Ten Commandments without us even knowing it. Jesus is again speaking. Matthew 15, 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from where? The heart. And they defile a man. But look at verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. That's coveting, number 10. Murders, number 6. Adulteries, number 7. Fornications, thefts, number 8. False witness, number nine, blasphemies, one through four. Jesus is quoting the Ten Commandments. He says, look, their heart sins. And that's what lying is as well. Listen to Psalm 15, where David asks the Lord, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who can live in your presence? Who may dwell on your holy hill? And here's the answer. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. Okay. But notice, and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does does he take up reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, I said it and I'm going to do it even if it costs me. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Psalm 51.6 says this, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. So what I want you to see is the true source of toxic talk is our heart. And all our mouth does is reveal the true character and nature of our heart. If I lie, I'm a liar, okay? If what's coming out of my mouth is toxic, then my heart is poisonous, and I have to admit that. Now, thirdly, the meaning of this is specifically toxic talk. Toxic talk. 
It's not just about lying. It's about all sins of speech. And so specifically what this prohibits is toxic talk that dethrones God and defames the name of my neighbor. You may uh, turn back to Ephesians 29, uh, 429 again. This is the passage that Randy uh, read for us and we read with him. Ephesians 4.29. Here, if you want a definition, I, I can't improve on God's word. Here's God's definition of what commandment 9 prohibits. Here's toxic talk. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Just anything that is ugly, corrosive, poisonous, deadly, don't let it come out. But what is necessary and good for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, what goes on in here and what comes out here grieves the Holy Spirit that dwells in his people. And finally, verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, cussing, cursing, exaggeration, deception, lying, all of it, let it be put away from you with all malice. James 3.8 really sums it up. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's where I get toxic talk. So here's the point. Toxic talk poisons the name of my neighbor. Anything that I say that poisons the reputation and the character of another human being is toxic talk and prohibited by the ninth commandment. Uh, it's any speech that tears down rather than builds up. It does harm to our neighbor. You know what? You know what? The Bible says a good name is of great value, and what toxic talk does is devalues that the good name of another person. And this is interesting. This is the connection to commandment number three. Because commandment number three was, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It protected God's name, God's character. Commandment number nine protects the character and the reputation and the name of others. And they go hand in hand. You see, do not murder protects your neighbor's life. Do not commit adultery protects your neighbor's spouse. Do not steal protects your neighbor's possession, but do not bear false witness protects the most valuable possession of all, and that's your neighbor's reputation. Now, the tongue is a muscle of your body that receives more exercise and less control than any other. Can you agree with that? All right, we're exercising that baby every day, and it is out of control for most of us. Medically, they say it's only a two-ounce slab of muscle, mucus, membrane, and nerves that enables us to chew, taste, swallow food, and articulate words. But listen, relationally, it's a two-ounce uncontrollable beast that is capable of unlimited destruction. It very well may be the world's smallest weapon of mass destruction. Listen, universally, the number one biohazard on planet Earth is toxic talk, conversation that contains a poison causing serious harm or death to other people. And so what do we need to do, congregation? We need to detox our talk. We need to detox our talk and protect 
the name of our neighbor. That's what the ninth commandment is about. Detox your talk to protect the name of your neighbor. Now, everybody spreads the poison of toxic talk. Everybody does this, all right? Uh, in fact, uh, a po- uh, just listen, if you just had the littlest bit of, of, of rotten food, what would you do with it? Would you go ahead and tolerate it? Would you keep feeding it to your family? Uh, Kirk's uh, Polo's iLife group had a little experience with this recently, I understand. A little food poisoning, a little, little something. Something happened, and, and, and the spirit was moving among that group immediately by that night, and they were worshiping, but at a different place. You know, They were on their knees for a different reason. They were, they were begging God for deliverance. Am I right? Am I right about that? A little something. But listen, they didn't sit around and go, hey, that was great. Let's do it again next week. Whoever brought that, bring it again. Let's just keep tolerating that. I love food poisoning. And yet, listen, in our speech, and in, you, in my speech, and in your speech, there's a little bit of poison in all of our tongues. And we are doing with our tongues what we would never do with real food that's gone bad or is poisonous. We would never tolerate it. We would throw it out, and some of us would not even eat what that was. You ever gotten sick off food, and then you never eat that food again? Well, you know what? We need to identify through this message, let the Holy Spirit identify, where is that poisonous talk in my tongue, not my neighbor's, my tongue, and then I need to eradicate it and never go back to it again. That's what we need to do. Because you know what? All of us have been poisoned by toxic talk. In a a, a congregation this size, listen, any of you remember those words, you're stupid? You're dumb, you're fat, you'll never amount to anything. And the sad thing is, that kind of toxic talk often comes from those who should be loving us the most. And if you've been bitten and hurt and poisoned, let me tell you, you remember it. But here's the sad thing. We have a better memory for who has poisoned us than for how we have spoken and hurt others. And both are equally wrong. So I want to give you for the rest of the time here three reasons why we need to detox our talk. And the first reason is very simple. The origin of toxic talk is demonic. The origin of toxic talk is demonic in all its forms. Now let's, I just take you to one passage. Jesus himself says it. It's proof enough. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 where Jesus says, the source, the father of all lies is the devil. Look at John chapter 44, uh, John chapter 8, verse 44 through 47. Notice what it says. Again, he's talking to those who are liars, slanderers, false witnesses. He's talking to people like you and I. And here's what he says. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He speaks from his own character, his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words, therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. In fact, 
James chapter 3, verse 6 says this, The tongue is set on fire by hell. Listen, Satan's plan has always been to overcome truth with a lie. How do we know that? Genesis chapter 3. How did we get into this mess? How did I get such a sinful heart? How did we get to where we are liars by nature? It's because Satan told a lie to our forefathers in the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve believed the lie, and they fell, and they took all of us with them. Now, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias and Sapphira, they're, they're lying about their, how much they give to God. Now I'm into meddling, okay? They're at church, and they're lying about the offering. They're, lying, they're, they're, they're presenting themselves as giving more than they actually gave. False witness. And here's what Peter does. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Now, here's all I'm saying on this point, that when we have toxic talk coming out of our mouths, we're never more like the devil than anything else. See, we look around at these Ten Commandments and we think, well, I don't murder. I've never committed adultery. I don't steal. You know, I I don't do those bad sins. But listen, when we lie and when we cut people down and we're sarcastic and we have corrupt communication, we are never more like the devil. And you know why? You know what the devil, what the word devil means? It means slanderer, accuser, and Satan means adversary. So now what I'm saying is when you lie, that doesn't mean you're demon-possessed. So don't go home to your spouse and say, you know, I think you're demon-possessed. But listen, demon-possessed people lie, but not all liars are demon-possessed. But I will tell you this, that every time we lie, we're walking in the footsteps of the devil and not the father of truth. Because listen, God is not only the father of truth, he is truth, and he is true in all he does. And he wants you and I to be true and to tell the truth at all times. See, God hates lying and he hates liars. You say, man, that's strong, Chris. I thought he hates the sin and loves the sinner. Well, listen to these verses. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Listen, it's not just the lying lips. The lying lips represent the lying person, and they're an abomination to him. Seven things God hates, and four of the seven are toxic talk. Here's what Proverbs 6 says. These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sorts discord among the brethren. And I've already said that a false witness will not go unpunished. They will not escape. They will perish. So it is demonic. And listen, I don't want to be... Hey, listen, I... I profess to be a believing Christian who's born again. I'm a child of the Father, child of the the Heavenly Father, co-heir with Jesus Christ. I have no business saying or speaking in any fashion that would be associated with the demonic or the devil. We need to look at that way. But there are diverse forms of toxic talk. So many... You'd have to do a whole series on each one. I just want to talk about the three deadliest ones. And the ones that I think Commandment 9 is really aimed at, and it's the deadliest forms of toxic talk, and here they are. Gossip. Gossip is the first one. 
And I put a definition up there because here's the thing about these sins. They're, first of all, because they're de- demonic, we can be deceived. He's a deceiver. Okay? Here's the thing about gossip. It's what other people do to me. It's what I never do. Okay? And what I have found is gossips have a hard time defining gossip. People who practice this sin and who are habitually tempted and give in to that temptation have a hard time defining it. They say, well, what I'm doing, what do they say? Same thing that we say when we want to justify it. Well, it's not gossip. It's a prayer request. Right? It's not gossip. I'm just trying to get this poor guy help. Okay? Well, maybe you are, maybe you're not. What's the definition? Well, here it is. Gossip is careless use, uh, is, is idle, careless chatter that is damaging to another's character or reputation and divisive in its outcome. Listen, I don't care how much you think what you're doing is right. If it's divisive in, in a way that divides God's people and tears others down, it's gossip, and we need to stop. Now, there's an equally more intense form, and it's called slander. So you got gossip, now you got slander. Now, what is slander? Slander is not idle, but intentional sharing of bad reports with impure motives in order to destroy another person's reputation. And here's the kicker, often with a proud, self-righteous justification. You know, no one's going to say, I'm about to slander somebody. I'm about to murder so-and-so with my words. What we say is, you know, so-and-so is this, and we tear them down, and, and, and I'm telling you, they deserve every bit of it. And if you don't, and, and if you don't believe me, let me tell you more. Okay? Now, here, this helps me get my head around this. What's the difference between gossip and slander? Gossip is the careless lose, use of a deadly weapon. It's careless, but it's not harmless, and it still kills people but it's deadly, uh, careless use of a deadly weapon. Slander is the strategic use of a deadly weapon. You stick the knife in, not by accident, but on purpose, and then what do you do? You twist it, okay? You don't just stab them once. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. You stab them. You're a serial killer. You know, the tongue is a sharp sword, and that's what's the difference. And by the way, the whole time you're stabbing them repeatedly, you're being respectable because they deserve it. And again, if you want to know why, let me tell you. Gossip is careless damage like manslaughter. Slander is intentional first-degree murder, but they both kill, and they're both worthy of judgment. Ray Ortland, a great Bible teacher, has this to say about gossip and slander. He says, what is gossip? It is not necessarily false information. Slander is false. Gossip might include true information, and maybe that's why gossip doesn't always feel sinful. Can you relate to that? What makes it sin is first and foremost that God says it's sin. But gossip spreads what can, can include accurate information to diminish another person. That is not how people behave when they are living in the power of the grace of God. Now, here he goes on. Here's the motive. You see, gossip, the Bible, uh, Proverbs says the gossip, gossip is a tasty morsel. Ooh, that's good, right? It's like beef jerky. I love beef jerky. It's like rib tips. Ooh, man, smoked and, oh, man, that's good, and you just can't eat one, right? Something about a potato chip. Listen, to, here's what it says. 
Gossip is our dark moral fervor, eagerly seeking gratification. Gossip makes us feel important and needed as we declare our judgments. It makes us feel included to know the inside scoop. It makes us feel powerful to cut someone else down to size, especially someone we are jealous of. It makes us feel righteous, even responsible, to pronounce someone else guilty. Gossip can feel good in multiple ways, but it is of the flesh, not of the spirit. And then here's the third, and we've already kind of alluded to it. The third deadliest form of toxic talk, gossip, slander, and unbalanced truth unbalanced truth. This is probably where Satan gets us more than any other. Because here's what we say. I'm not speaking the truth. I'm I'm, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just saying what's true. But notice what unbalanced truth is. It's not speaking the truth in love and seasoned with grace. It's truth without context or compassion. Now, how do we justify? How do we justify saying these three horrible, deadly, toxic things? Number one, we say it's the truth. But, you know, I was talking with someone earlier, and just write this down. Just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. Just because it's true, it doesn't need to be said. Unless it will edify, unless it will build up, unless it will accomplish God's greater purposes, rather than satisfying my desire to lord myself over another and cut them down to size, just because it's true, it doesn't need to be said. And number two, another way we justify this, I'm just getting others to help. I'm just letting you know so you can help with this problem person. And often what we'll say is, I went to them, and they wouldn't listen to me. And because I can't go to them, I'm going to go to you. Wrong. And you know what your answer ought to be to that? You know what? If they didn't listen to you when you went to them, I will go with you, and I will just listen, and I will be a witness. I want to see this in action. Because nine times out of ten, that other person doesn't even know they've been approached. And if they were approached, they often handle it in the right way. The other person isn't satisfied, and you need that outside source, that outside listening. Now, here's the third most deadly way we justify it. I am just listening. I was just listening. I was just listening. But look again at the ninth commandment. It says, do not bear false witness. Do you wonder what bearing means? What's bearing mean? It means carry it. It means Don't have anything to do with it. Don't listen to it. Don't tolerate it. Don't allow it to, don't, don't, you know, I can't, you know, if you say, I can't bear with that, you mean, I don't put up with it. I can't tolerate it. So don't even listen to it. It's not just the speaking of false witness. It's the listening to it or having anything to do with it. Here's what the ninth commandment is saying. Don't carry false witness in your head, in your heart, on your lips, or in your ears. Telling the truth means defending people when they're unfairly attacked. William Barclay has this great quote. It's an important principle that a cowardly or careless and irresponsible silence can be as senseless a crime as false and lying speech. The sin of silence is as real as the sin of speech. Let me give you three quick ways to handle this. Instead of passively listening, and these are common sense, but I want you to commit this morning to doing these things. Number one, change the subject. You know the best way to get negative talk stopped? Say something positive about the person that's being talked about. 
Just say something positive. And all of a sudden, I mean, that, I, I've gotten in this mode. I'll be saying something negative. Someone will say something positive, and it's like, Chris, wake up. You're being negative. Wake up. And I, I tell you, that just changes. The other thing is simply change the topic. Hey, you know about so-and-so? Yeah, you know, how's the Royals doing? And real clear, the communication is, I'm not your garbage dump, and I don't participate in poisonous talk. Number two, confront the sin. You know, here, here's a novel thought. When you're exposed to gossip, confront it and just say, you know what? I think we're entering into the realm of gossip. We better confess that and move on. Try it. I want you to do that with me. I don't want to be, I don't want to be lured into this. And I am just as susceptible as you are. And we need one another to be held accountable in this area. Number three, challenge the speaker to go with you to talk to that person. Ask if they've talked to, have you talked to that person? Half the time they never have, the other half they said they wouldn't listen. What you and I need to say is, well, I'd like to see that for myself because you know what? I think very highly of this person. I think the best of this person, and I bet you if you approach them in the right way, they would listen to you. I'd like to go with you, and I will just observe. Change the subject, confront the sin, challenge the speaker. Uh, the famous missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, established this rule at her mission station, never about, always to. Never about, always to. Okay, the outcome is, or the origin is demonic in all its forms, especially these deadly. Number two, the outcome is deadly. We need to detox our talk because the outcome is deadly. Someone said a tongue three inches long can kill a man six feet tall, and it's true. Now, let me give you four ways, four ways that this is deadly. And, and this is all common sense. Number one, it's self-deceiving. It's self-deceiving. We've already hit on this. We think we can get away with toxic talk, and God says you will not go unpunished. In fact, here's the thing. Talk negative about people, and, 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 and eventually God's going to turn it back on you. Self-deceiving. You, you, listen, this is not the path to go down. Number two relationship destroying. Let me just read you a couple proverbs. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Beloved, I'm telling you, even if it's true, even if they're guilty of it, to spread that around will divide your friends, it will divide your family, it will divide this church. I cannot think of a single counseling situation I have ever been in that did not have to start with or get set on fire with toxic talk. We have to realize the deadly division that this will cause. Marriages that once set sail on a joyous adventure have steered toward the rocks of divorce by the rudder of misguided words. Number three, it's church dividing. Again, Ray Ortland says this, Adultery is a serious sin and one likely to be disciplined in a church. But I have never seen a church split over the sin of adultery. Gossip is a sin rarely disciplined, but often more socially destructive than the sensational sin. It'll divide our church. And no church is, 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 uh, can avoid it. And so when it comes up, we tackle it, we hit it head on, and we snuff it out. 
and it brings back beautiful unity. Beautiful unity. Number four, it's soul damning. It is soul damning. And I know these are hard words. And our culture does not like hearing hard words. But we can't get to the good words, the, the saving words, until we face the hard words. And Revelation 21.8 says this, The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I think that covers all of us. Even the most religious, the most self-righteous, one lie will send us to hell. God is that holy, God is that true, and a lie is that sinful. Revelation 22:15 says, Outside of, of God's new creation, outside of the new heavens and new earth, are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Jesus said that we will give an account for every idle word we've spoken. Shut my mouth. Every idle word. Every email I send, every twit I tweet, every blog I write, Every status update I put on Facebook, I will give an account before a holy God, a loving Savior, who, though he was reviled on the cross, spoke no evil. Wow. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and you are too. And there's salvation found in Jesus Christ. Listen, our toxic talk has the potential to swiftly kill a relationship, paralyze love, poison minds, destroy faith, stain purity, and destroy reputations. It's deadly. But here's the good news. Speaking reckless, recklessly is like the thrust of a sword. But the words of the wise bring healing. The third reason why you need to detox your, detox your talk is because overcoming it is divine. It's divine. It's God's delight. Listen, you can't do this. I can't do this. Only God can do this in your life. Listen to me. James says the tongue is an untamable beast. Listen, we can make whales jump through hoops. We can make chimpanzees dance. We can make dogs go, sit up. We can make lions sit and ride, you know, balance on stools. We can move the animals of the earth, but we cannot control this without divine intervention. And so let me tell you, from God's Word, there's good news this morning. Check yourself in for detox. Now, this is the hardest part, right? If you need intervention, we'll help you. Okay? If you need intervention, we'll get you. Check yourself in for detox because it's a divine work that God delights to do. The Scriptures are there. Let me just go through the process. Number one, surrender your heart to the Lord to be transformed and teachable. You've got to begin with the heart. It's not about the tongue. It's about the heart. And for, listen to Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So I just have these two things to say. This morning, there's two kinds of people here. 
one who need to be redeemed, and they need a new heart to have a new tongue. And those who have been redeemed but need his strength in order to tame their tongue. My strength and my redeemer, surrender your heart to Jesus Christ who knew no sin, and he will transform your heart and he will tame your tongue. But number two, you've got to submit your tongue to the Lord to be tamed. You say, how do I do that? If you need to, you take your tongue in the morning and you got it, and you say, Lord, I submit this to you. I'm telling you, I promise you, if you would do that every morning, Lord, this is my tongue, I submit to you. Romans 6 says, present your members as weapons of righteousness. And this is one of your members. Lord, this needs to be a weapon to build people up today and not tear them down. And Lord, I know apart from you, I can be sarcastic, I can be critical, I can be quick to speak when I ought to be slow to talk. Lord, it's my tongue and I surrender it to you. Number three, I know this is simple, but you paid to get in. Stop lying and start telling the truth. Just say, you know what, I'm going to tell the truth. Even if it costs me, I'm going to tell the truth. And then I love this. This is the most, I, I, I can't get any practical than this. Think before you speak. Is it true? Is it harmful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And then I end with this. Daily take God's antitoxin. You have up there on the screen. Let's read it together. Ephesians 4.29. Read it together. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I promise you, memorize that, hide that in your heart, and watch your talk transform. It will transform your relationships. It will unite our church. It will keep you from self-deception, and it can keep you out of hell because the power of the Lord Jesus Christ is at work. Let's pray. As we come to a response time, I, I just, I don't know about you, but God's word just works me over. And it's meant for us to respond. And so, as they come, do you need to lay your tongue on this altar? Do you need to identify your poison and lay it down? And just say, you know what, Lord, I've been guilty, but you're a forgiving Savior. You died for the sin of gossip. You died for the sin of slander. And not only that, you died for liars. You died for those who speak the truth out of context. And you can give me a new heart. And so, Lord Jesus, I just want to be saved today. And if I'm saved, I want to be transformed by the strength of your resurrection power. As they sing, you may want to come up here and just lay your toxic talk at this altar. You may want to dedicate your tongue right here at this altar. Sometimes it's good to move and to pray. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. But tonight, or this morning rather, let's detox our talk by the strengthening power of Jesus Christ. As they play.